This program does not provide medical advice. We assume no liability for the information provided on MindForce Radio. Please consult your physician before beginning any exercise or nutrition program. This is Roger LaPointe, and I have known Bob Whalen for many years at this point, and he is one of the most intense individuals you will ever meet. Go MindForce Radio. From Mind Force Radio, this is Natural Strength Night with Maximum Bob. On Natural Strength Night, we don't talk about the other things Bob likes to talk about. Tonight, we only talk strength training. When I say strength training, I don't mean training like punk-ass goons in the muscle magazines who jacked up on juice, steroids, and PEDs. I mean natural strength. Strength built on good food, heavy weights, and no shortcuts. If you want to learn about real natural strength, weight training the right way, the old school way, stick around. Bob and his friends just might teach you something. He's here, the host of Natural Strength Night, Maximum Bob Whalen. My getting to know segment in the last podcast, when I was talking about Professor Attila, a lot of people liked it. I tried to make it funny with a few embellishments, and it was historically accurate, but after I listened to it, I wanted to make a few comments. Sandow did work as a janitor for Attila in the Brussels gym, that's a fact, but he probably did a lot more floor sweeping uh, then he did toilet cleaning because after thinking about it, they really didn't have <laughs> the toilets back then like we have now. They had more like outhouses. So he was probably shoveling into the honey wagon than actually, you know, cleaning toilets. So he probably was doing a lot more floor sweeping and uh, shoveling, but he was still a janitor. So the next couple of things. I wanted to make sure, because even though I embellished a little bit, and I even said I was embellishing when I was doing it and uh, made it funny, but I had my good buddy Osmo Kiha listen to it, and uh, I wanted to give wanted him to give me any kind of input on it, and he thought it was funny, and he liked it. I just found out from Osmo, and I'm, I'm glad that I checked, that Sig Klein did inherit the gym, but he didn't meet Grace until after Attila died. Also, some of the original equipment uh, from Attila is in Bill Pearl's barn, like I said, but but not all of it. Uh, Sig Klein spread it out a little bit and gave some of it to a few other friends, too. So tonight, our guest is Jim Duggan, and I've known Jim for 20 years or so. Jim is a captain in the New York City Fire Department. He's written many great articles for naturalstrength.com and the dinosaur files. He was a moderator on my discussion board, Physical Culture, and he also performed a few feats of strength at a few of my Capital City Strength Clinics in Washington, D.C. He's competed for many years in powerlifting and strongman competitions, and he's won many of them, too. 
In 2000, Jim went to York, Pennsylvania, and he won the Bob Hoffman Strength Challenge. Jim is one of the strongest drug-free guys you'll find, and he'll give you honest advice that works. Welcome back, Big Jim. Hey, Bob. How are you? It's great to be here. Pretty good. So, Big Jim, I got a few questions for you from our listeners. The first one is, uh, who was your big inspiration, and uh, you know, who motivated you to get started in training? When I was about uh, when I was 12 years old, the 1976 Olympics, uh, I actually watched it on television, and I saw the weightlifting for the first time, the different weight classes. Uh, I saw that, and around that time, also, uh, CBS used to show uh, powerlifting on television. Uh, and a couple of years after that, they started showing they started showing the uh, world's strongest man contest. So right around that time, I started I started to get interested in weightlifting, and uh, I bugged my parents for a set of weights. And uh, a bunch of us in the neighborhood, we we all had weights in our house. We'd go to each other's house, and we would just try to uh, have impromptu weightlifting contests and just try to uh, outlift each other. What brand was your first set of weights? Was it like a York 110-pound set or what? It wasn't a York. I'm sorry to say it wasn't a York. Um, let me, let me guess. A, a Sears Ted Williams plastic set. It was a plastic set. It wasn't a Ted Williams, but it was from uh, it was from uh, Sears. It was plastic filled with uh, sand or concrete, mm-hmm. whatever they filled it up with. Yep. And uh, that's what I started with. Yeah, it all works. It, it worked. And I joined my first gym. was uh, Bruno's Health Club in Levittown, New York. Uh, when I was around 19 years old. And yeah, I was I was going to ask you later in the show about that, but since you mentioned Bruno now, because um, one of your questions that I'm going to be asking you was about your your favorite gyms. But I remember on the Physical Culture Board, you used to write a lot. You even had like anniversaries of uh, remembering Bruno. And uh, some of the articles you wrote on there were like tear jerking. I could tell by the article. Didn't he die in a car accident or something? You, I can tell you had a very close relationship with him and he ran a great gym so go ahead and tell us tell us a little bit more about that well bruno's i joined bruno's in uh, july of 1983 i just turned 19 and um it was a it was a small storefront gym in a strip mall and uh, the owner was uh larry bruno lacandro and uh larry opened up the place uh several years before and uh, he was a local he competed in olympic lifting and powerlifting and he and he stopped. And the reason he stopped was he basically uh, grew frustrated by the fact that there was no drug testing in, in what was going on locally on Long Island. But he he ran his gym, and he was adamant against the use of steroids. Uh, if you used or advocated the use of steroids, you were asked to leave, or you weren't even allowed into in the place. And uh, I, I love, I, he's my kind of guy. I think he's great already. Bobby, you would have you and him would have hit it off. Right off the bat, uh, we both had the same philosophy, and uh, I mean, a lot of people do talk a good game about it, but you know, they'll look the other way when somebody uses. But uh, Larry actually had the uh, the guts to, if, if he thought you were using, he confronted you and you were asked to leave. But the gym itself was uh, it was kind of like a shrine to like York barbell. Everything was York, and Larry would actually drive down to York with his uh, seventy three Pinto loaded up to the gunnels with plates and bars and whatever and drive back and all this everything was york there was no other uh no other brand of equipment in that gym and it was if you liked free weights if you liked working out hard and heavy and on the basics it was a great gym and a bunch of us still get together guys like tom tedesco chris newens bobby saylor mike Desette. 
we still get about once a year we get together and uh we relive the old days we celebrate larry and larry uh yeah larry died in a car accident uh in january of 1995 he had he had long since sold the gym but uh he had always kept uh you know he worked at other gyms and uh to this day you know we still celebrate him we drink a toast to him every year and uh a lot of us still train the same way we did when we worked out at Bruno's. Those were some of the best posts. You know, you know how some posts really touch you, touch you to the core. Some some of the posts on there about Bruno, because because uh, the guys you just mentioned, they were on the board too. And th this this thread was just filled with these unbelievable posts that I'll, I'll never forget. So I I remembered the guy all the way like ten years later, because I mean that they were just some really you know, touching posts. So he must have been a great guy. He was, a, Larry was a good friend and became uh, my best friend. He was, we, I mean, to this day, we still, uh, you know, like I said, we'll drink a toast to him every year when we go out to eat. Uh, and we try to get about seven or eight guys together. Uh, and some of them are older. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 50 years old next month. Uh, Tommy Tedesco, was in, he's in his mid-50s. But uh, we all still train. Uh, Tommy still does Olympic lifting. Uh, Chris Newen still does powerlifting contests. Uh, we still train the same way, and we still have some of the, uh, you know, some of Larry's uh, expressions, so to speak. Uh, you know, he hated guys who did uh, cable work, right? Pushdowns. He would ridicule guys in the gym. These were paying gym mem paying members, and he'd ridicule <laughs> guys for doing pushdowns. Uh, guys who did curls, he was just doing curls for the girls, and he didn't like that. But if if you trained, if you did squats, if you did deadlifts. If you did the basics, you know, you were accepted in, in Larry's in a circle. And we competed for many years. We had a uh, team that competed for many years. And we would train on Sundays, Sunday afternoons, when nobody else would be in the gym. We would, we'd we be working out. We'd be training deads and squats for whatever upcoming contest would be. Did you guys have a deadlift day where you all came in and deadlifted together? Sometimes we did. But more, more than that, usually it was a squat day. Most of those guys squatted like twice a week. A lot of guys maybe squat, uh, deadlifted once a week, but uh, usually Sundays I would do squats, benches, and deads on the same day. And other guys would usually do like you know squats. But there was usually a day when we all you know we didn't we weren't always like training partners, but we trained together. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know if that makes any sense. Oh, it does. But, it, it all it's all how you feel. I mean, it's all your own psychology. Whatever whatever works for you. I mean, that's why. Some people they 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 overthink things, you know. I mean, you have you have to think and plan out things, but sometimes people think too much and they worry too much, and they should just let their instincts take over and not worry so much about it, right? For me, when, you know, when I when I was powerlifting, it seems like the the deadlift for me was the one that took the most. It's probably the hardest lift. It's very. I mean, they're all hard, but you know. I did better when I had a group of people with me yelling and screaming and, you know, egging me on. So we usually, we'd usually get a bunch of us and meet like one day a week and would all deadlift. We just deadlifted once a week. And when you got four or five guys yelling and screaming, it just makes you do a lot better, you know? So it was, it was fun though. It, it does help. It, 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 and having a group of guys there, it, it, it motivated you, it inspired you. And what we would do afterwards, or even if we trained during the week, you know, at night after work, after we'd, we'd go out to eat, we'd go out, we'd go out to a local diner or the friendlies and, uh, four, five, six of us, we'd go out and we'd eat afterwards. And, we did uh, that too. It was awesome. <laughs> and even, and when we competed, you know, part of the, the best part of competing was, you know, 
doing your best, and hopefully you know you would set PRs and, and do well for yourself. We'd go out to eat afterwards. We'd go to a nice restaurant on the way home, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun. And it was a special time with a, a special bunch of guys. And like I said, we're all getting older, but we still try to keep in touch. We still train the same way, and we still have the same basic philosophy that we did, you know, 30 years ago. You're still in puberty, Jim. Yeah, a lot of people. A lot of people say I don't act my age, so I guess so. No, I'm just joking because I'm going to be 60 this year. Can you believe it? It's like I can't believe it. I, don't, I feel like I'm 40. Before the show, me and Jim were talking before we went on the air, and I said, Jim, can you believe I've known you almost 20 years? And then uh, Jim said, 18 years exactly on July 20th. And I said, How do you remember that? Uh, Jim, share with the audience what what you just told me. Uh, the reason I it's not because I have like a memory like Mary Lou Hanna who can remember stuff from like 40 years ago. July 20th, we were, it was a Saturday, and I remember it because it was my birthday, and Drew had been planning this for a while, and uh, it, turned, it just fell on my birthday, and we drove in, me, Drew, uh, Howard Menke, and we met, we met up with you, and then uh, the four of us went to Peter Luger's, and uh, it, was the first, it was also the first time I'd ever been to Peter Luger's. I'd read about it, I'd heard about it, I had friends who had eaten there, so it was the first time I'd ever eaten there. And so it was memorable for me. It was my birthday, um, the four of us together, my first trip to Peter Luger's. And also, too, uh, my father, who was a chief in Williamsburg section of Brooklyn, where Luger's is located, stopped by. He was working, and he stopped by to wish me a happy birthday. The four of us sat down. We ate. The maitre d' and the waiter were, were surprised that we all ate our, We all ate steak for two. We all eat, ate everything on our plate. And I think I was the smallest guy there, Bob. I don't know. Was I? I don't, uh, I don't think so. I think you're bigger than me. <laughs> Howard and Drew kind of dwarfed us. And uh, I have a feeling if, if if they would have put like steak for three or four in front of Drew, I think he would have finished it. Uh, not only was he tremendously strong, he was he was a good eater, too. I think Dr. Ken actually made this up. I think I got this from Dr. Ken. But uh, he said when you're eating at the table with Drew, you got to watch your hands because you might get a fork stuck in it. Because, <laughs> I mean, we had to not eat the bread. You know, for me, eating steak for two, that was about, what, what was that, 50 or 60 ounces of steak? I mean, that was a lot. It was because it, it, each one was huge. That's why, because in, in Peter Luger's, you just buy steak for one, steak for two. You know, you just you get steak and that's it. And it's for one, for two, whatever. Well, we all got steak. So we all get double steaks. So he thought, oh, you get people coming? No, it's just us. So we had like eight steaks. Eight steaks for four people, and we all ate it. And then afterwards, he's gone. It's been a long time since four guys came in here and all finished steak for two. Remember that? I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and then that was fun. Then you wrote a good article about it. Yeah, uh, training and eating in New York City or something like that. And, oh uh, yeah, that, that's one of my favorite articles ever. And, uh, yeah, that that was great. That that was a, that was a great time. I forgot that it was your birthday. That's why it surprised me that that was, that was the first time I met you. You remembered the exact date. Uh, anyways, the next question, Jim, and I know you're gonna love talking about this because we've talked about this before. The sorry state of powerlifting today, especially with the equipment and the gear and the triple ply. Uh, you know, bench shirts that can make a 290 bencher, according to Dick Connor. You know, you probably heard his podcast, but Dick Connor says today a 290 bencher can bench 500 because of the gear and the, the drugs. So, uh, yeah, what do you think today of the sorry state of powerlifting with the gear and the drugs? Well, Bob, that's the, uh, you hit the nail right on that, the sorry state of powerlifting. It's, uh, it's a shame because it was a very good sport. It was a sport in which you can demonstrate and test your strength. 
uh, now it's really more a matter of uh, what kind of gear that you're wearing, whether it be the you know the super triple denim bench shirt or the uh, the squat suits or whatever other crap all of they have nowadays. But uh, it used to be you know a, a good way of you know training for something, achieving a goal, and you know testing your strength. Now, just who has better equipment? And it's funny that you mentioned that with Dick. I remember training when I was in Iron Island. It had to be like 16 years ago or something like that. There was a bench meet coming up. And I remember was the week leading up to the uh, the bench meet was on a, on a Sunday. There was a lifter there. He was training, didn't have a shirt on, and he was, you know, doing heavy singles. He got buried. And I mean buried with 365. He put 365 on a bar he got buried with it. It was just stuck, st- stuck on his chest, stuck at ground zero, would not budge. And he mm-hmm. tried it like two or three times, would not move. Five days later, I think it was, five, I think it was like five days later, at the meet, he's competing. He's got his whole entourage of, you know, guys putting his suit on, his shirt, and his super denim shirt on. What do you, what do you think he lifted at the meet? He did 512. I think like Unbelievable. 511 to 512. He just missed, I think, like 522 or whatever it was. But he benched over five. And it went up easy with the shirt. So 150 pounds stronger in five days, or the equipment had a lot to do with it. Oh, yeah, and the drugs. But did did you hear the podcast with Dick Connor when he talked about that? I, I didn't uh, hear it, but uh, I'm going to go back and listen to it. Yeah, like it, must, it was like a month ago or so, um, I mean, maybe a little, a little longer. But Dick said... Uh, 290 or 295, I think it was, it was under 300. It was like either 290 or 295. Uh, bencher, that's natural, you know, wearing a wrestling singlet. If they go on drugs and put on this equipment, they can bench over 500. So that's unbelievable. But that's the sorry state we're in right now. My best bench was made without a without a shirt. Um, what was your best bench, Jim? My best comp was a 505. That's phenomenal for, for drug-free for natural and without gear that's unbelievable i think another thing about with with the sport is the uh the judging uh the last meet i went to was a few years ago uh chris newens or or bruno Mm -hmm. member bruno's was competing in a he's competing in masters and um we go to this meet it was uh on long island and the judging was was absolutely ridiculous i mean half squats were being passed um and Chris was a very, you know, dyed in the wool, you know, strict, you know, squatter. And he trained the way we at Bruno's. We always sunk our squats. And he had, he actually, the judge went up to him and said, you're squatting too deep. Who ever heard of anything like that? That's ridiculous. But if you would have seen some of these lifts that were passed, it was a joke. I mean, the guys are doing half squats and getting them passed with three white lights. And right. You're doing them. You're not doing anybody any favors by passing bogus lifts. You're just doing them a tremendous disservice because if they ever do enter a legit judged meet, they're going to bomb. They're going to fail. Right. You know, but that seems to be the norm nowadays. And I haven't. Yeah, no, I haven't competed in, the, in a while, and part of the reason was the the gear. And also, too, a lot of in in New York State, they really didn't have. Um, there used to be a couple of organizations where they did have, you know, drug testing. Maybe it wasn't the most consistent or the most reliable, but uh, as they faded away, um, I didn't really see, have the desire to, one, wear the gear, and two, compete against 
guys who you knew were cheating their way in. We'll be back with more right after this. This segment brought to you by VitalNutritionStore.com. Did you know that more than 7 million Americans suffer from coronary heart disease, the most common form of heart disease? Regardless of your age or condition, adding Cardio for Life to your daily regime will dramatically improve your cardiovascular condition. Cardio for Life has been the top-selling Enlargenine product in the marketplace now for more than three years. It is also the top-selling product at VitalNutritionStore.com. Formulated by Dr. Harry Elwart, the best-selling author of Let's Stop the Number One Killer of Americans Today, Dr. Harry believes together we can prevent and reverse heart disease. Cardio for Life comes in three wonderful flavors, orange, peach, and grape, and is gluten-free, sugar-free, and sodium-free. Please see our complete line of natural products at vitalnutritionstore.com. That's V-I-T-A-L nutritionstore.com. Randy Roach shocked the world with the release of his first volume of Muscle Smoke and Mirrors several years ago. It was a masterpiece of over 500 pages with such in-depth research and detail that it was not only surprising, but shocking and mind-blowing. It was truly one of the best Iron Game history books ever written. He followed that with Volume 2, another epic book with over 700 pages of equal depth and detail. All serious Iron Game fans need to have these books. Please visit Randy's website at randyroach.ca. That's R-A-N-D-Y-R-O-A-C-H dot C-A. Listen to how Iron Game legend and the Iron Master editor, Osmo Kihaw, describes the book Supernatural Strength. Have you ever wondered how much real-world experience authors have when they write books about weight training? Who is that person behind the computer? What do they really know about the Iron Game? If you picked up this book, Supernatural Strength, you have definitely come to the right place. The author, Bob Whalen, has spent several decades in the Iron Game trenches training himself, competing and coaching in powerlifting, earning academic credentials too numerous to mention, and thousands of hours of training and instructing athletes and trainees of all levels at his Washington, D.C. gym since 1990. He's not only devoted his life to motivating and pushing people to heights they have never been to, but elevating the trainees' understanding why certain methods work better than others. Bob is one of the most respected and revered trainers in the business today. This book is sure to surprise and amaze you at the same time. Order now at SupernaturalStrength.com. That's SupernaturalStrength.com. Don't you think it would be so much easier getting into shape if you had a personal coach? Just like all the celebrities do. Well, now you can. Bob Whalen of WebStrengthCoach.com wants to get you out of your rut and coach you to success. He's dedicated to helping you achieve your strength and fitness goals through your hard work and his expert guidance. Bob will help you with strength training, muscle building, fitness, nutrition, and motivation. He'll make sure you achieve your maximum physical potential. You can get one-on-one -on -one training with Bob through his website webstrengthcoach.com he will develop a personalized program tailored to your individual needs a program right for you bob will give you feedback after every workout this is old school fitness and nutrition no fads and no gimmicks bob will use proven natural techniques to make sure you are satisfied so visit webstrengthcoach.com today and let bob help you reach your best self webstrengthcoach.com do you enjoy history without social engineering? Reading about our founding fathers, 
economics from a capitalist perspective, wisdom from modern patriots. Welcome to UncleSamBooks.com, where virtues like rugged individualism, hard work, and the American dream dominate. UncleSamBooks.com, great books for homeschooling. UncleSamBooks.com. If you want to become as strong and muscular as possible with health in mind and without lowering yourself to using steroids, the best advice can be found in the classic strongman books of long ago. These are the best books ever written on the subjects of strength training, weightlifting, strongman training, iron game history, and old-time physical culture. Many of them can still be found at physicalculturebooks.com. There you will find good, honest, time-tested wisdom from the great old-time strongmen to maximize your natural muscular and strength potential. Please visit physicalculturebooks.com. Listen to Ken Manny, head strength and conditioning coach at Michigan State University, describe the book Iron Nation. A masterpiece text on some of the most intriguing and compelling personal stories, iron game history, and gut-wrenching training routines ever put to paper. If you truly love hard training without all the frills of pomp and circumstance so common today, you will love Iron Nation. Written by lifters for lifters. If you love weight training, you will love Iron Nation. Order now at ironnation.com. That's I-R-O-N nation.com. If you would like to promote your business on MindForce Radio, we would love to hear from you. Please let us know if you are interested in a 30- or 60-second voice commercial or a banner website ad. Please contact Bob using the contact information provided on MindForceRadio.com. You're listening to Natural Strength Night on MindForce Radio. Even a lot of the so-called natural contests, they're still cheating. It's 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 the it's a real problem. I, I mean, I'd like to see an organization do blood testing and polygraph, invent some new kind of test, like some kind of DNA test to prove if you were lifetime or not. Because you know, even if you did steroids for a long time, then you quit, you still get a benefit from that. Like you know, a lot of guys they use steroids all the time, you know, their whole life, and then when they get older, they stop using then they act like they're natural. Well, you're not natural. You still got a lot of, you know, you got some permanent gains from that. Even though even though you might have, when I say gains, I'm only talking about numbers. I'm not talking about health. You know, you, you could have screwed up your body, but I'm saying you got permanent strength gains from that too. You don't just lose it all when you go off of it, you know? Oh, no. So, uh, uh, I remember there was a time, it's like a long time, about tw- over 20 years ago, I entered a, uh, I, was in, I entered a bench press meetup in the Bronx and, uh, one of the uh, competitors was a, uh, a professional wrestler. I'm not going to mention his name, but he was a WWF wrestler. And, you know, my friend who was running the meet, he told me, he goes, it's a, it's a drug-free meet, you know, are you drug-free? And his answer was, yeah, I've been drug-free for a month. So, 
That was I was I, I'm I'm clean for a month. That was his thing. So and the guy was barely literate, he could barely speak, but they let him they let him lift as a guest just to you know for entertainment value. And he pushed up I think like five thirty, touch and go. He pushed up five thirty. But I just the funniest thing I you know are you clean? Yeah, I'm I've been clean for a month. So <laughs> so kind of like what you said, you know. Yeah, yeah. You stopped taking it a month ago. You still have some carryover effect from, you know, the, from the drugs. So. Yeah, well, you still have some permanent carryover too. If if you of use course. <laughs> for ten years and then you clean for ten years, well, you still have some permanent gain from that permanent strength. Uh, Jim, talk a little more about uh, how important strength training is for your profession as a firefighter. I think it's. Uh, I think it's probably one of the most important things. Um, you know. Aside from just you know learning your job, but uh, being in shape, uh, being strong, I think it's uh, I think it's tremendously important. Uh, no question about it. It's uh, kind of like uh, you know when, you, when you're strength training for a sport, you want to make yourself stronger and less prone to injury. Well, with, with you know being a fireman or, or a firefighter, there is no off season. You're basically you're training and you, you're you're competing. You're you're performing every time you go to work. So you have to be, you know, trained. You have to be in condition. And it's not just so much, uh, you know, like training for powerlifting, but endurance, cardio fitness. But strength training, there's no substitute for strength. You have to be strong. Just wearing the gear, climbing, moving, hauling, you know, the equipment, in addition to what you're wearing, um, you know, you have to be strong. And you have to train to you know, in, for strength and health, and it's you know you're not going to do it with curls and push downs and you know some other exercises. You have to train heavy, and you have to train you know train your back. You have to do deadlifts. You have to do squats. Uh, you have to train your neck. I think that's an area that most people neglect. That's important. Your grip. You know, moving a, a, a two and a half inch hose, right, requires you know hand strength, grip strength. So it's it's very important, and uh, over the last twenty years, I think people have, have realized you know the importance of strength training, and like I said, not just to, you become a strength athlete, but strength endurance, you know, developing your entire body. Firefighters now are considered tactical athletes. I think we talked about this before, but in the strength and conditioning field now, they're they have a whole new. Uh, path, you know, of study, and they're called tactical athletes, and that's police, firefighters, and, and combat uh, soldiers. And they are, I mean, the, the physical demands that they do are just as athletic as athletes. I mean, look, look at a firefighter. you got to wear all that gear, plus the Scott Air Pack, plus carrying somebody on top of all that, um, up and down a ladder. I mean, that's a lot more athletic than, than playing baseball. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, it certainly. I wish we got paid like uh, ball players did, but it's it's, it's very it's very strange. And when you do it, when you when you're doing it, when it's ninety degrees out, you know, it it's it makes it even that more challenging. But right. uh, you know, tactical athlete. I, I, yeah, I remember you mentioning that like a month ago. Right. It's 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 a very uh, it's a very accurate description. And uh, you know, there's been a lot of research. You know, thankfully. Uh, OSHA and, and they've put a lot of research into the importance of you know, staying fit, staying strong, and that's uh, that's one of the things that's come that's come out of it is that 
nowadays people are more firemen are more aware of their health. I mean, I remember as a kid, you know, my father would take me to the fire station. Almost everybody smoked. Right. And typical a typical meal would be for dinner would be like you know hamburgers and French fries or something like that. Now guys eat healthier, uh, for the most part, and it's it, it's only to our benefit because your your body is under so much strain, so much stress. You know, with all that gear and everything else, when you're, you know, responding to something, right? The stronger that you can make your body, you know, the more, the more injury-proof you can make your body, right? You'll have a better chance of walking away and not getting hurt, or developing a long-term injury that might stay with you for the rest of your life. Yeah, I think I told you, Jim, that uh, I was a firefighter in the Air Force for uh, eight years. That was my job. I was a crash firefighter and an EMT. I loved it. But um, that's one of the things that I didn't like. I, I was uh, ahead of my time. Like, just like you said, going in the station when your father was a firefighter, that, that's what it was like when I was there. I think one of the reasons I didn't stick with it because I was inhaling smoke all day, cigarette smoke. You know, like <laughs> almost, almost every firefighter in the fire station smoked, you know, and you're with these guys all day. I mean, I couldn't wait to get the hell out of there. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I mean, if I was a firefighter now, I might have I might have stayed with it. If I was, you know, they now they're eating healthy. They got gyms. They're working out. I mean, it's great. You're like athletes now. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a very good description. Yeah, and um, it's you know, guys see the importance of it. And um, even though where I'm working now, I'm, I'm working in the in um, engine two thirty one in uh, Brownsville, and uh, some of the guys there, they actually from every time they come back from a run. They they do like twenty thirty push ups. They have dumbbells on the apparatus floor, and they'll actually they'll, they'll go through a uh, push up workout every t- from every every time they have a response. And if you're going out the door ten fifteen twenty times a during a twenty four hour period, those push ups add up. But uh, you know these guys are very dedicated and they keep themselves in good shape. Who are some of your favorite uh, Iron Game figures from the past? I like the and. and I think you're going to agree with me on this one. I, I always liked, uh, I was uh, John Grimmick from uh, York. Um, I only got to meet him once, and it was right before he passed away at the uh, Association of Old-Time Barbell and Strongmen reunion dinners. It was, was that uh, the dinner I was with you with Drew? I think it was the year before. It was, okay. uh, this was in 98. And uh, I, I remember... Getting there late, we, it was a ton of traffic. We got there late. We sat down. We enjoyed the meal and all. And afterwards, you know, you want to get a. And I'm not a big autograph guy. I only have maybe a handful of autographs. But I wanted to get his autograph because the year before, he couldn't make it. I think he had. Uh, it's when he had his hips replaced. So he was back that year. And I, you know what? I want to get his autograph. And he waited. It was a ton of people. And the guy was still, you know, sharp, alert, very friendly. And I got his autograph. And then like, maybe like a month later or so, I, I read in the magazines, he passed away. Also too, uh, Bruno, uh, from Bruno's, actually, he worked at York for a while, back in the uh, 70s. Got to meet Grimmick. He said he was friendly, down to earth, approachable, and a great guy. Um, Tommy Tedesco, from Bruno's, actually, Tommy was a journalism major, he actually wrote uh, his senior thesis on the York magazines. And he spent the weekend at York, and he met with Hoffman and Grimmick and the York gang. And uh, like I said, Grimmick uh, was a favorite of mine. Um, Bruno San Martino, 
another favorite of mine, and I got to know Bruno from Bruno's because that's Larry got he gave himself the nickname of Bruno after Bruno Sammartino. I actually got to meet Bruno as well. Bruno Sammartino was at the uh, the reunion dinner I think in 2000. Another great guy, brutally strong, you know, great wrestler, very strong stance against steroids. Um, yeah, you can tell the difference when you look at those wrestlers from the the 70s and then compare them to the guys now. They're like different species. Yeah, it's a different species entirely. Well put. It was another, another name I, I like and I admire was um, Hermann Gerner, the uh, the German lifter from the uh, like 1920s. Right. Um, tremendous. I think he, he did a one arm deadlift with 700 pounds. What, what to you was more impressive, a 400-pound bench press or a 300-pound standing press? Uh, no question. A 300-pound standing press, I think. Yeah, I agree. I, that, that's impressive. Um, These are questions from readers here. Uh, I tell you what, I think a 300-pound standing press, yeah. it's. I mean, just from my own personal experience, I only the most I ever pressed overhead was 305. Uh, and I did great. it like once. Uh, it was hard. And I trained long for it, so I, I know how hard it is, and I think that's much more impressive. And w was Bruno's gym the favorite gym you've ever trained in? I like Bruno's. It was the first gym I ever joined. Uh, but I also liked. I thought Iron Island, uh, Doctor Ken's Iron Island. I thought that was probably that was probably the best gym I ever worked out in, uh, just because the way it was run. It's uh, Everything about it, the uh, the equipment was top notch. The staff, uh, everybody that the place was immaculate. Uh, the equipment was top notch. The, the the people who trained there were good people. Uh, so that was probably the best in terms of equipment, staff, people. That was probably the best place I ever trained at. Ralph was a funny guy, wasn't he? Ralph Royola. I remember him. I met him a couple of times. He was oh, a real Ralph funny guy. Oh, Ralph was a very funny guy, very nice man. Um, I like Ralph. I like Ralph. I like Doctor. I, I like Doctor Ken. I I had met him at the gym. I I had read about him. I, I knew of him, but until I joined Iron Island, I'd never met him. Uh, very impressive. I mean, probably one of the most knowledgeable people in terms of you know training information that's out there. I mean, he still writes for Milo and other publications, and. Um, you know, between Dr. Ken and Ralph, um, you had so much knowledge, so much experience. I mean, if you couldn't learn from those two people, then you weren't going to learn from anybody. The first time I met, went there, it's uh, he had these uh, welded I-beams with handles on it. He had the weighted torpedoes. He had the, uh, you know, the anvils. And in addition to tons of, you know, uh, York weights, he had bumper plates for the Olympic lifters. Uh, he had numerous platforms, uh, so if you were a serious lifter, you had you know, you had equipment there just for you. If you were just if you were an athlete, if you were a college athlete training for a sport, which he had over there, he had he had enough hammer strength machines. You had something there for for you uh, a week, or just a person looking to get into shape or get stronger or just maybe drop a few pounds. And everybody was treated the same. You know, you could be just somebody off the street, and you got the same attention as some of the world-class athletes that train there. And there were some great athletes that train there. That's when I met Drew. And I met Drew at Dr. Ken's. He was wearing a uh, a Bengals T-shirt. I thought Drew was a football player. I had, I, you know, he was just 
this big friendly guy and tall, he's about six four, wide as you know, <laughs> wide as the barn door, you know, the human wall that we call him, right? And right. I, I thought he I thought he was a football player. And I'm, I'm trying to look at him, I'm trying to recognize all right, I figured he was like an offensive lineman. All right, who is he? Who is this guy? And they just, you know, he was one of the guys that worked out with Dr. Ken. But I thought he was a football. I thought he played for the Bengals. <laughs> then I met him, and Drew's, you know, he's a heck of a nice guy. He was down to earth and friendly. And then I realized, you know, he, he, he'd been training with Dr. Ken for a long time. But like I said, he was wearing a Bengals T-shirt. And I thought he just... I thought he was a, one of the one of the offensive linemen, like you know Anthony Munoz and you know some of those other guys. You just figured, all right, he's one. He probably got he, it from he, Kim Wood because, uh, or you know, got it from Ken, who got it from Kim Wood because he was the Bengal strength coach back then. Yeah, yeah, it's it's at probably that's where he got it from. But like I said, I I thought he played pro ball, you know, and <laughs> you know, and and anyone who's ever seen Drew, you know, the size of him, you know, probably think the same thing. Yeah, what advice would you give a young athlete thinking of using steroids? Just say no. How about that? Uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good answer. <laughs> you know, back in the 80s when that, uh, I guess when it was when it was a drug problem, not, not steroids, but, you know, serious recreational drugs, that was the motto that the government put out, just say no. And people laughed at it or whatever, but, you know, the people who laughed at it were the ones who didn't have the guts to actually say no. Just Just say no and stay away from it. Avoid it. Um, it's not worth the problems it's going to create for you down the road. And if you take your time and just approach it slowly and progressively and not lose, you know, keep your eye on the prize. Don't let, you know, minor setbacks or a couple of bad workouts, you know, deter you. If you just stay focused, train hard consistently and progressively. You'll get there. Well, Big Jim, thank you so much for being back on the show. And uh, you're, you always give great information. And I'm sure I'll see you back here soon. Bob, it, uh, I really had a great time. I enjoyed it. And I thank you very much. Don't be a flamingo. You have to do your squats. Don't be a flamingo. Real lifters work their legs. That's going to do it for this edition of Natural Strength Night on MindForceRadio.com. Please bookmark that website, MindForceRadio.com. Bob is always looking for new writers for NaturalStrength.com who are old school hardcore, write with passion, and have a strong anti-steroid stance. He also wants your training questions so they can be answered on the show. Please send your articles and training questions to Bob at mindforceradio at earthlink.net. Thanks for listening. See you next time.